Hello everyone, and welcome to Root Tap Radio, the Green Witches podcast for all things flora, fauna, and spiritual. I'm your host, Bree, and every week we'll cover topics to help feed you in knowledge and in spirit. Merry meet, witches and friends. I hope you've been having a wonderful week and have been taking good care of yourself since the last time we talked. Thank you for tuning in and hanging with me through my first episode. I was absolutely floored at the response that I received. I got so many more listens than I anticipated, so thank you so much. Thank you for listening and thank you for sharing. I was really daunted because I have exactly zero editing and podcasting experience, so it was really a learning curve, but I'm getting more comfortable, so hopefully it'll come a little bit more naturally and not feel as studious as I felt the last time. Anyway, let's go get to the good stuff. Last week we talked about what it means to be a green witch, so this week we're covering how to use your craft to make a difference. As a green witch, we are very aware of the environment around us, but we may not always know how to interact with it or what habits we can begin to make us feel more integrated with it. I've come up with a few short-term and long-term changes, as well as some instant gratification practices that you can do to help you on your journey to a greener life. So let's start with some of those long-term goals, then we'll work our way at the shorter ones. The first two go together like veggies and hummus, and you can start them today. Now I know plant-based eating can bring up a lot of feelings for everyone, so some of you right now are screaming, hell yes, because I brought it up while others are just like, oh my god, what is she doing? And you're starting to turn off mentally, but let's talk about this for a quick second. This is a space for open-mindedness. Plant-based eating doesn't always have to mean 100% of the time, though that's often the goal, but rather it encourages at least 50% of your meals be plants. And that's doable, yeah? So what about the other 50%? Try the absolute best you can to make it as close to the source as possible. For instance, get your dairy locally and grass-fed get your meats locally, grass-fed or free-range, and from a responsible butcher. Do some research into raw foods and just generally be an informed consumer. No matter your price point, being an informed consumer helps you live closer to nature. It also helps that plant-based eating can be less harmful to the environment and for a lot of people, it's healthier for you and helps you fight disease. And how is that not a win? Okay, the second point we're going to talk about, that hummus to the veggies, you might have guessed it, shop locally. Right now, yes, even during quarantine, just be mindful of others, social distance, wear your mask, use hand sanitizer, please. There are farmer's markets going on all around. My city had one every Saturday during the summer and is still holding them throughout the winter. 
so you can get so much produce there for next to nothing. I'd come home with like three bags of produce for 20 to $30. I'm fortunate enough to live in an area where there are plenty of local farmers that sell everything from produce to baked goods to meat. But if you live in, in an inner city, try looking for natural food stores, co-ops, and things like that. Remember to always give thanks for your food, no matter where it comes from or what it is, to whatever spirit you believe in. The people who grew it or made it, and the spirit of the plant or the animal that was sacrificed to nourish you. This is a great way to get in a daily practice. And a lot of us have grown up knowing the Christian prayers or blessings around food. So come up with your own. Do one that works for you. The next topic that you can work on is zero waste. This seems entirely daunting, but it's really not. I swear it's not. It just takes some research and a little bit of creativity. Plastic bags, you can get paper or reusable ones, and you can wash those reusable ones. Don't let people tell you you can't. Just treat it like a delicate. I put it in my washer on the warm cold setting and wash it on the delicate cycle and then I let them air dry. In this time of COVID, I would suggest that you keep your reusable bags in your car if you are able to and just bring your groceries out and bag them yourself to help decrease the spread. You can also make um, produce bags from some old t-shirts by cutting off the sleeves, sewing up the bottom, and cutting holes for the breathability of the bag. Check out Pinterest because I'm sure that that was not enough of a tutorial for you guys, but there are a ton of tutorials on there that are far more in-depth and they have visuals. It looks simple, easy. I haven't done it yet but I'm so excited to. Some other things you can do are donate old things, upcycle, recycle, get on Pinterest for ideas, join a zero waste group on Facebook. If you're from Ohio, like myself, there is one on Facebook that's really good. Um, find out where your local bulk food store is and if they'll accept you bringing in your own jars. Now, I understand this may be difficult with COVID, but there are places that will let you do this. And if they don't yet, talk to the owner of the store. There's a local co-op in town that I asked if we were allowed to bring in our own jars. It's not advertised anywhere, but they said yes, and that they were very much considering changing all of their dried goods into um, bulk bins that you can do it yourself. But making these little steps can make a massive difference in not only the environment, but in our culture around the green environment as well. Another long-term goal you can have is to become a grower yourself. 
If you have the time and space, being a grower is very rewarding, not only in your craft, but monetarily as well. You can control what goes into your produce and herbs, as well as how much love they receive. You could sell your wares at a farmer's market as is, or as teas, tinctures, baked goods, balms, lotions, potions, salad bowls, dehydrated mason jar soup mixes. I mean, we could go on for a while. Another way to contribute is being a teacher. We always need more teachers. If you're well-versed in growing, foraging, medicinal herbs, culinary arts, why not become a teacher? Hold a few classes and share your knowledge with people close to you. You don't have to get witchy unless you want to, and you can even do it via Zoom. If you're an experienced forager, I want to be your best friend. It's so hard to find a forager who knows what they're doing, and once you start researching wildcrafting, you will be itching to get out there. Also, please, please only harvest what you know for 1000% is what you're after. Should you get in trouble, put the poison control number in your pocket or the contacts on your phone, which is 1-800-222-1222 in the United States. A shorter term goal is becoming an activist. That also seems pretty daunting to some, but natural to others. There's plenty of low-key ways to get involved at the local level, volunteering in your community, protests, sponsoring adoptions, food can drives, raising money, neighborhood gardening. We could go on and on, but these are just a few ideas for you to start thinking about and maybe research into your own community. Start small being an activist, don't think nationally yet. The biggest changes come from grassroots. It's far easier to move a mountain if you're moving the rocks at the bottom than the whole middle. Another short-term goal, you can try your hand at raising some butterflies, moths, ladybugs, or even praying mantises. There are plenty of places online, and if you're lucky, you can find some locally, but please do your due diligence and make sure the species you select are native to your area. You really don't want to introduce an invasive species into your area and cause all sorts of havoc to the local ecosystem. This is actually a really great Ostara project for the family if you have little ones. I bought painted lady butterflies, and I'll leave a link to the website. I'm not sponsored by them, but I would rather you go through a reputable breeder and be able to get some more information about them. We released 18 out of 20, which was really good. And most places give you everything you could possibly need to raise them, so it's very low stress. I hope all those points gave you some things to think about and some ways that you can be more green conscious in your own life and start working towards the goals that you may have on a grander scale by starting small. Herb of the week. Every week we'll cover two to three herbs to get yourself more acquainted with the medicinal properties, with the spiritual properties 
of the different herbs that you can find. This week is thyme and mint. Thyme. This kit is a potent cleaner. So much so that the Egyptians used it for embalming and the Greeks use it as a fumigant. Seriously, folks, if you're using the essential oil, please dilute that baby because it is so spicy. You could burn your skin. I'm absolutely serious. Please dilute that thing. But it's excellent to use during the time of COVID. I personally use a time-based cleaner and it smells really good. <laughs> Time has a watery energy, but go figure, it's associated with the deities of Aries and Mars. Time is frequently used to heal melancholy energy and used in a wide variety of spells when you want clarity of psychic health. Being from the Mediterranean, it's no shock time loves hot and sunny spaces, and this little one is freeze and drought resistant. Thymus in Greek means courage, which I find in complete synchronicity considering that time affects the throat chakra and represents affection, healing, clarity, fidelity, psychic power, and purification. I mean, look at those deities. You have to be one force of courage to aid those two. Bodily, time can expel the body of pests as well as relieve congestion in the lungs and sinuses. Actually, that's pretty timely. Yeah, I'll see myself out. Mint. Another Mediterranean native, Mint is actually named for a nymph who tried to seduce Haiti, but our fab queen Persephone swooped in and turned her into a mint plant because not even Zeus can get the nookie while being a plant. Feeling a little attacked because my favorite plant is mint, and as a Libra, hey! Anyway, mint is associated with revitalizing energy, healing, love, protection, money in abundance, and great for anxiety. I use mint in a roller, and that is like aromatherapy for my panic disorder. I carry it absolutely everywhere with me. Like time, it's also associated with the throat chakra and a must-have for stomach aches, mental clarity, and combating lethargy. Mint would like a gift of tree agate for its growth and luck energy, or citrine for its success and abundance energies. Some things to remember when you're growing mint is that they like wetter conditions, and the plants in the mint family are known for their ability to take over a garden. Catnip and mint are in the same family, and if you've ever heard that, catnip will take over an entire patch. Same with mint. I have a mint plant, and I have to make sure that it stays within the bounds that it needs to be. Amethyst would be a good stone to give either of these plants, especially if you infuse it with intentions for protection, sleep aid, healing, or to boost psychic power. Carnelian or citrine are good choices if intended for digestion help as well. Clear quartz is always a good choice just to give to your, just give it your intent. As I said before, every week 
We will be honoring a famous witch in history. This week, we'll be covering Marie Laveau. We could spend an entire episode on the life of Madame Laveau. However, the point of this expose is to introduce you to famous witches in history, and I implore you to do your own research on the practitioners who interest you. This is a brief overview of who she was in life, as my research tells me. Also, I apologize if I absolutely butcher some of these French names. I did look them up, but Google is absolutely no help on some of these things. It was like they just said it in English with a French accent and it was absolutely horrible. So I apologize if I mispronounce something and please let me know so that way I can change it in the future. Voodoo Queen, healer, entrepreneur, mother, Madame Marie Laveau was many things. She held ceremonies where people became possessed by loas, or voodoo spirits, dispensed potions and charms, even saved several men from the gallows. She was a sheer force to be reckoned with in the best of ways and a pivotal influence in voodoo in the United States. I've heard rumors that there is going to be a Hulu series on her, but I think it might just be a rumor because the last time I saw that it was supposed to be out already, but if you're listening to this and you have anything to do with that, please make it happen. That would be amazing. Marie Laveau was a Louisiana Creole woman born in 1794, though some sources cite different dates. Her origins are unknown, though many argue they know her exact lineage and place of birth, but most commonly she was born in the French Quarter to Charles Laveau and Marguerite de Cantrell. Madame Laveau grew up on a plantation and was educated and studied to be a hairdresser. She was an extremely devout Catholic, like mass every day devout Catholic, and this was often attributed to her grandmother's teachings. On August 4, 1819, she married a Haitian carpenter named Jacques Paris, and surprisingly, their marriage certificate survives today. Paris went missing in 1824. Whether he died like Marie thought or he deserted like some evidence supports, she was left a single mom of two. During this time, she started going by the widow Paris because she believed that he died. She became a hairdresser and did some nursing to support herself and her children during this time until she entered into a common law marriage with Again, I apologize, but Louis-Christophe Domicile de Gapon. Sorry, I apologize if I'm butchering his name. I speak only the tiniest bit of French and Google was not my ally. But anyways, they had 15. Yeah, 15. So 17 children in total, though I'm not sure all of them made it to adulthood, but my uterus is just cringing thinking about this. So all of these people lived together until Louis's death in 1855. 
Marie decided to quit her job and raise her family, as one would do. This is when she became very interested in her mother's traditional African beliefs. Laveau sought out Dr. John, a.k.a. John Bayou, who became her voodoo teacher, and by 1830, she was one of several voodoo queens. At this time, voodoo had a sinister rep and was banned during certain periods of Louisiana's history. I can't imagine it was all that easy to A, find a practitioner, and B, find one that's open to taking on a serious student when they need to be extremely careful in concerns to the law. She combined her voodoo with Catholic traditions, which made them more acceptable to the upper class, and this was certainly a factor to her success. Her list of accomplishments is lengthy, and I won't cover everything, but Laveau med led many public rituals throughout New Orleans, oversaw operations at Maison Blanche, the White House, or the Meeting House, making an income by selling items she made, like like Grigri, or healing powders, among many other accomplishments. She's revered as though she was a saint and praised for her humanitarian work. Laveau officially retired in 1875, but she never stopped producing her wares and kept doing readings in her home until she passed. Marie lived 86 years old, which means she died in 1881. She was buried with Louis in the Laveau-Gaplon family crypt, number one. The number two crypt is where people illegally draw symbols in hopes Laveau's spirit will grant them a wish. Now, like I said, this was a very brief overview of her life and accomplishments. If you'd like to learn more about this remarkable woman, I'll have a few books that you can check out and I'll leave their description, their title in the description as well for those who are listening on the move. They are The Magic of Marie Laveau, Embracing the Spiritual Legacy of the Voodoo Queen of New Orleans by Denise Alvarado, A New Orleans Voodoo Priestess, The Legend and Reality of Marie Laveau by Carol, oh, Carolyn Morrow Long, The Mysterious Voodoo Queen Marie Laveau by Ina Johanna Fondrich. You can find these at your favorite bookstores or check out my favorite online bookstore, bookshop.com. They give a portion of your purchase to local bookstores, which is amazing. Again, not a sponsor of the podcast, just a company I like. I hope you've been filled with ideas and direction of where you'd like to build your craft into, and I'd love to see what you come up with as you add your spirituality into your everyday life. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on social media at root underscore tap underscore radio on Instagram, Facebook, or you can write me at root tap underscore radio at yahoo.com. I'd love to hear from you. I hope you have a beautiful week ahead. And until next time, merry part, my friends. Mm -hmm.